everybody here we are for episode 86 of now showing with mike and wayne uh wayne there are so many movies made every year and a lot of those movies are remakes and i'm surprised we haven't touched on this topic yet and we have we you know here and there we've talked about some remakes and stuff but we're going to dive into some remakes that we really like not necessarily better than the originals uh but just as good or close to as good of you know, or just ones that we like, you know, um, while also liking the originals. You know, I always hear there's always this conversation of, oh, my God, remakes. Like, it's got this negative connotation to it. Um, Why don't they ever come up with anything original? Blah. Yeah. And I, I think people don't realize how many classic films are actually remakes that we mm-hmm. that we just kind of forget were remakes. Um, yeah, and we're not talking about the remake, like, the shot-for-shot remake of Psycho or... No, no. Stuff no like no. that. And then you've got... Like, you know, we've talked about Ocean's Eleven and how yeah, the ones in the the Brad Pitt and those uh, yes, name. those was actually I, a remake of the Rat Pack back in the day. I think those are a good example too of remaking a bad movie, um, which is what a lot of people think remakes should be. And I'll admit, and people can come at me, I did not. I turned off. I think the original Ocean's Eleven like halfway through because I was so bored. Um, it's incredibly long and yeah. incredibly boring. <laughs> so sometimes remakes are you know validated. Sometimes they're just you know someone has a cool idea surrounded by an original idea um, that they want to tell, and we've had that often. Um, all right, Wayne, let, why don't you get us started in the uh, remake off here? Yeah, uh, with my choices this week, I really wanted to try and stay away from the reboot, if you will. Mm-hmm. Like I am so Batman and Spider Man out. Um, those are their own, yeah. I think those are definitely their own thing at this but, point. Uh, I'm going to go with cla- a classic one right here. Um, we're going to talk about uh, True Grit, uh, the original made in 1969, starring everybody's favorite cowboy, I guess, uh, John Wayne. <laughs> um, starring role is Rooster Cogburn. And uh, let me give you the uh, the log line here. A drunken, hard-nosed U.S. Marshal and Texas Ranger help a stubborn teenager track down her father's murderer in Indian Territory. And, um, yeah, so this was a pretty polarizing movie remake. Um, the uh, remake came out in 2010 by the same name, True Grit. This time uh, it is a Coen Brothers production. Uh, starring Jeff Bridges, Matt Damon, Haley Stenfield, Josh Brolin, Barry Pepper, uh, Domhnall Gleeson is in it. Yeah, great cast. Uh, yeah, so just by the that alone, it's like, all right, we got something going here. Uh, premise is pretty much the same. A stubborn teenager enlists the help of a tough U.S. Marshal to track down her father's murderers. Murderer, excuse me. Um you know, you know, everybody's like, oh, yeah, you know, how dare you try to remake or uh, do something that uh, starred the great John Wayne, blah, blah, blah. And I use the term great loosely. <laughs> I mean, he's very much a. My father in law is going to kill me. A one trick pony. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. He, he, he is very role centric, if you will, or, you know, I, I'm not, not a gonna, lot of range. You're not going to see him in a. a 
a drama or a, a romantic comedy, you're going to see yeah. him as the soldier or the cowboy pilgrim. And, you know, I, I enjoyed both versions. You know, they are there, got their subtle differences and whatnot. Um, the 2010 version won numerous awards. Um, let me see. Actually, it was nominated for everything. I don't think it actually won it anything. It didn't win, but Haley Steinfeld, I think, was even nominated for Best Supporting yes. Actress in her first major role. Best Picture, uh, Best Actor, Supporting Actress, Best Direction, Screenplay, Cinematography, Costume Design, Sound Mixing, Sound Editing, Art Direction. So, yeah, really well put together film. Um to say it's better than the original, you know, it's really just what you're accustomed to. Those that grew up with the original or, you know, were alive and saw the original in theaters, you know, they may not have cared for the remake. Um, I don't think my, uh, my father-in-law hated the remake, but you know, I think he's just more, he was more comfortable with the original and that's what he was used to. So it's really just whatever your cup of tea is, if you will. So, what your preference is. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, overall, either version of true grit's really gritty. You know, it's, and they're both very entertaining, you know, just by the tagline alone, you know what you're getting. So there you go. True grit. Either <laughs> one, go see it. Um, find a way to watch it. Yeah, definitely recommend watching this one. Everyone knows I'm a huge Coen Brothers fan. So anything they do, I'm going to see <laughs> at least once, uh, usually multiple times. And this is no different than most of their other stuff. It, it is a fantastic film. It's a great Western. It is actually more um, close to the book as in the book. It's a, a teenage girl and not a uh, elderly woman like it is in the original film. Um, not quite sure why they made that choice back in, in the sixties when it came out. But uh, I think not, I, this is coming from someone I have not seen the original true grit. I've only seen bits and pieces of it. So I can't say, you know, what is better. Um, but I was reading the book while I, when I saw this movie, and I think this movie does a really good job of staying very close to the book. Um, not that that matters, but that's just my opinion. And uh, Jeff Bridges is amazing in this, as well as Matt Damon and Josh Brolin and Haley Steinfeld. And it's always great to see Barry Pepper in something you know big, because he's one of those actors that doesn't get a lot of love. Uh, but yeah, it's a solid film for sure. We'll it's always have the three burials of Melchiades Estrada. Yes, I love that one. That was fantastic. Absolutely. And nobody knows about that other than us, I think. I think so. I think you're right. And Tommy Lee Jones and Barry Pepper. It's a fantastic film. And um, uh, the lady from Mad Men, um, Mrs. Draper. Oh, um, Her, January something. January Jones, yes. That, is, it, is it January Jones? Yes. Okay. I didn't think that. Okay. All right. Cool. You, you didn't think her last name was that generic? I thought it sounded like a comic book character. So I don't know. It kind of, yeah, it's close to Jessica Jones. Uh, it's weird when the comic book character Jessica Jones has a more normal name than the actress January Jones. All right. So now I got to look it up. Is she actually born in January? Is that why her name is <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I'll report back later. Okay. Uh, my first one is going to be, uh, I'm going to probably stick mostly to the horror genre just because that's uh, my favorite genre. Surprising um, no one ever. <laughs> I'm going to talk about the Invasion of the Body Snatchers from 1978 with Donald Sutherland. Um, this this movie has been remade numerous times. 
Um, I still haven't seen all of them. I actually haven't even seen the original one. Uh, but I've seen um, the 78 version, which is amazing. And I think everyone's kind of familiar with the Body Snatchers uh, story. An alien Aliens come to Earth and they start taking over people and you don't realize, you can't tell who's an alien and who's not an alien. Um, so you start trusting someone. And then is this realize, like uh, the pod people type thing? It's a pod. It's pod people. Um, they live does a very similar thing. Uh, they live is basically kind of like a uh, modern day satire of a, a vision, invasion of the body snatchers. Um, you have the faculty, which was a, a, a high school uh, version of invasion of the body snatchers, which I love. Um, but you have, this is, so the original, I think was in the 1950s. This is 1978 <clears throat> directed by Philip Kaufman. Written by W.D. Richter, based on the novel *The Body Snatchers*. Uh, it's got a great cast: Donald Sutherland, Brooke Adams, Leonard Nimoy, Jeff Goldblum, Veronica Cartwright, Art Hindle, uh, Kevin McCarthy, Don Siegel, Robert Duvall. Uh, it it's just got a huge cast. You know, a lot of most of them kind of unknown at the time too. Goldblum and and uh, Nimoy obviously wasn't unknown, but he wasn't outside of the Star Trek movies, wasn't really big into the movies. And I think that was right when the Star Trek movies were getting going. So the show had been off the air for a while. Um, a species of gelatinous creatures having abandoned their dying planet and traveled to Earth, land in San Francisco. They infiltrate Earth's ecosystem, latching onto plant life and taking the form of small pods with uh, fragrant pink flowers. Elizabeth Driscoll, laboratory scientist at the San Francisco Health department brings one of the flowers home where she lives with her boyfriend, Jeffrey. Leaving the flower on their bedside table, she awakens the next morning to discover Jeffrey behaving strangely cold and distant. So she then teams up with Sutherland's character and they try to, you know, fight against this um, alien force that you really can't see. Because it could be your neighbor, it could be your husband, it could be your wife, it could be your, your child, your best friend. Uh, the, the 78 version, I think was when horror movies really started to become what they are today. And so I think, you know, anytime I go back and watch something from like the fifties, uh, and then I see like a remake of it, I usually tend to go with the remake because fifties is a different time. You know, they, they couldn't do a lot what they can now special effects wise. Um, we'll talk about in one of our reviews when we come, there's a lot of stuff that, you know, um, content wise, they just couldn't put into movies because they didn't want people to feel uncomfortable. And this movie does everything right. It, it, it's got scares. It it's intense. It's shot beautifully. Uh, visually, it's a very stunning film. Um, I think when people think invasion of the body snatchers, no one thinks of the fifties version anymore. This is though usually the one they go to. Uh, especially because since this one, there hasn't outside of like the faculty, there really hasn't been a great version um, of this type of film or of this story. Uh, do, do not watch Invasion with Nicole Kidman and da uh, Daniel Craig. Not good. That's all I'll say about that one. Um, but yeah, it's it's. You know, I don't know if people talk about it enough. It's one of those films I think everybody should see at least once. Uh, it's one of those movies I've only seen once or twice, and it's stuck with me ever since I saw it. Uh, so I definitely uh, want people to go out and watch it. It's usually streaming somewhere. Um, really good flick. Uh, if you like 1970s horror, Donald Sutherland had quite a few of them, actually. Uh, this is one of the better ones. Um, so, yeah, definitely check it out. Wayne, are you familiar with this one at all? Vaguely. Okay. 
Uh, I'm familiar with the, the, you know, the film, but I, I film and the concept. I think yeah. I've ever watched it. Yeah, it's it's really good. I do I do really highly recommend it. Um, I like how they say here, gross nearly twenty five million at the box office because that was a lot back then. <laughs> but uh, nowadays, it kind of pales in comparison. Um, yeah, so definitely, uh, if you're gonna watch any adaptation from that novel, watch this one because this is the best one in my opinion out of the ones I've seen. Again, haven't seen them all, um, but this is the one I know a lot of people go to. All right, Wayne, what's your next film? All right, we are gonna go with um, two films that are made within the uh, five years of each other. Uh, Insomnia, the original made in 1997. Uh, it's Norwegian. In a Norwegian city with a 24-hour daylight cycle, a Swedish murderer inv- murder investigator has been brought in on a case. Sleep-deprived, he makes a horrible mistake, which is discovered by the killer he's been hunting. Uh, the original stars Stellan Skarsgård and a bunch of Norwe- Norwegian-Swedish actors that you're not going to know, so I'm not going <laughs> to try and pronounce the names because I will butcher them. Uh, it was remade in the United States in 2002, so a crime drama. Who do you think would be a good person to star in that? Well, guess what? Robin Williams is in it. <laughs> uh, 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 <clears throat> uh, his counterpart is uh, Al Pacino, Hilary Swank, Martin Donovan. Uh, Early film from Christopher Nolan. Yep, this was uh, got Christopher Nolan. Um I saw this in theaters with my father. Um, very interesting film. Um, I never have not seen the original, nor the Norwegian Swedish version. But um, yeah, just odd again seeing Robin Williams in a drama crime mystery thriller, if you will. Um, <clears throat> I think they did an excellent job encapsulating the insomnia aspect of it, where the Al Pacino character is sleep deprived and hallucinating and. There's a that fog scene. If you recall, are you familiar with this? Oh yeah, I just watched where, it uh, probably like four or five months ago. I showed it to Rebecca. Where he's there, uh, Al Pacino's character is chasing Robin Williams' character in the fog. Yep. And uh, I think this was during the stretch where Robin Williams was trying to do more obscure things. Uh, I think One Hour Photo came out around this time. Yep, One Hour Photo. He had the science fiction one that was around this time. I forget the name of it. Um, but yeah, this was when he was kind of experimenting a little bit more. Uh, he did a he did a um, guest the appearance. Science on fiction? Raw. What is that? Where he's the robot? No, not that. Not <laughs> you're thinking by Centennial Man. Um, <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> no, I forget what it's called. I'm remembering the cover box. It has a green cover box. Um, but he did an episode arc on Law and Order as well, where he played a bad guy. So this was at, at, right around mm-hmm. this time. I think it was SVU. Um, so this was at that time that he was kind of experimenting with darker characters in a more evil sense, I would say. Yeah, I was, I was kind of disappointed that this wasn't more well-received because I think I really did think uh, it was it is a good film. It's just mm-hmm. very stylized, and I think – I honestly think it kind of creeped people out, and I, I don't think, know. I think so. That's I think the reason. So. Well, that and I think you know it led to one hour photo, which definitely creeped people out. Oh yeah, um, that was more of a of a really unnerving performance. But yeah, this one was different because you get to see him play a serial killer, which is something that we have never seen Robin Williams play before. Um, it's very stylized. Um, 
it was uh, one of those. It was very well received critically. Um, it's definitely a good early work of Christopher Nolan to watch because it was kind of before he it was right after Memento. So it was right when he was still kind of figuring out who he was as a director. Um, but it really it shows us a lot of like early like uh, kind of like what we have now from him where we expect greatness every time he makes a movie. You kind of watch this movie and you see it. You see it back then like, okay, you know, yes, it's a remake, but he was this time he was able not to kind of focus on the story as much because it's already a story that's been created and he was able to focus on how the movie looked, how it was acted. And I think that the structure of the film kind of being in place already helped him kind of experiment in showing what he can, what his abilities are and how he sees things. And it kind of set him up for the rest of his career with this film. I, like you said, people just don't talk about it enough. It's really, I think people forget that he did it. That's one of his movies. Um, Cause it was like Memento and then like uh, prestige and then Batman. So those, those were the ones I think people kind of remember more than this one. Um, but it's really, really well done. So I, I do, I'm glad you brought this one up. Cause I, and I, like you, I've yet to see the original. I'd like to, um, I'm a huge Stellan Skarsgård fan. So um but yeah, definitely check this one out if you haven't seen it. What the movie? Night Listener was one of the movies I was thinking of. I don't know if you ever saw that one. Um, but there was another. There was another one I thought. Oh, the Final Cut. That was another like weird sci-fi movie. That's the one I remember because I worked at Blockbuster at that time. Final um, Cut. Yeah, I know. Oh, and he also that's around the time he did Death to Smoochie too. Yes, uh, so I actually we talked about Death of Smoochie on the show. We but. will. I loved it. I got. I, I, we got to rewatch it though because it's been a while since I've seen it. Agreed. Um, I'm, I'm Rainbow Fucking Randall. <laughs> so interesting tidbit, Wayne. One hour photo, Death of Smoochie and Insomnia, all released in 2002. So we talked about how that was like his his going weird. He all, he did it in one year. <laughs> so. Very uh, out there uh, performances from the one uh, great Robin Williams. Yeah, and you just know the backstory behind him having to do so many projects of the way he's been taken advantage of over the years, and just oh yeah, yeah for sure, for gosh. sure. And he, yeah, he always he takes it so he always took it so hard on himself. He was always so right. hard on himself too. Absolutely. Um, we could go on for hours about Robin Williams. In fact, we have a podcast where we talk about him. Go go listen to that as well when Indeed. we're done. Gosh, that um, was one of the first. That was one of the first ten we did, I think. I think so, yeah, because we were, that was when I had the we were doing the Gone but Not Forgotten. So it's not a full episode, but we did a whole uh, probably a good like 20, 25 minutes on him uh, in that episode. All right, so I'm all. Th- I just realized all three of mine are going to be horror. I'll, I'll mention other ones at the end uh, that I recommend that you guys go watch. Um, but I just realized like, I have to talk about this movie too. And then the other one is going to be one that I think people know about, but it maybe don't think is as good. Um, all right. So the blob, uh, the original came out in the fifties, uh, 1958. It starred, um, what's it? Steve McQueen back when, you know, he was like 27 playing an 18 year old. I think that's, what's funny too, Wayne is people don't realize that, uh, Back in the 50s and 60s, you know, we always we always joke about how adults play teenagers. That's it's a thing that's been happening for forever. <laughs> so Steve McQueen was almost 30 years old when he played like a 16 to 18 year old in The Blob. Um 
What's funny about that is they also get the uh, the they get they try to make the out of shape non tough guy adult into the tough guy. Yes. Oh yeah. You know, exactly. Like, um, yeah, it's just kind of like you know, yeah, keep sucking <laughs> it in, fatty. Yes, exactly. And being a fatty, I'm allowed to. You're allowed to make out, those so. comments. Uh, as two fat guys, we're allowed to make those comments. Um, all right. So in 1988, so we're 30 years later, they did a remake. And Chuck Russell, who did Nightmare on Elm Street 4 and uh, produced a bunch of movies and stuff, he directed this film starring uh, Shawnee Smith from the Saw series, Kevin Dillon from Entourage, uh, Donovan Leach, Jeffrey DeMunn from The Walking Dead, uh, Paul McCrane, Art LaFleur, who just passed away, Robert Axelrod, uh, Joe Seneca, Del Close, and Candy Clark. Um, you may be familiar with The Blob. Uh, I didn't know this. Frank Darabont wrote the wrote the screenplay with Chuck Russell, so that, that's where the, probably where the original Frank Darabont and Jeffrey DeMunn relationship started, um, as he would go to be on and be in Shawshank Redemption, and Green Mile, uh, The Mist, and basically everything he's ever done, uh, including The Walking Dead. Um, it's this gelatinous, okay, here we are, gelatinous alien blob <laughs> that comes to Earth, and it starts to, like, overtake the planet, sucking things in, killing everybody, and you're left with, uh, as was typical in the 80s, it's up to the kids to save the day. So Shawnee Smith and Kevin Dillon uh, end up having to basically save this entire town. Kevin Dillon plays like the town uh, teen outcast. He's got the motorcycle, the motorcycle jacket, the long curly hair. You know, he's kind of a, a badass. Um, and then Shawnee Smith plays like the, you know, the girl next door type and everybody wants her. And, but then her family starts to die and she just, re- they start, it ends up starting to like, those two are the only ones that are left. Um, for the most, like out of their friends and family and stuff. So they end up having to save the day, essentially. it's It's got great special effects for the 80s, uh, a great story, a great soundtrack. The, the score is fantastic. Uh, it's This one, I will say, is better. Having seen the original, this one is better. Um, I think the original suffered from the time that it was made. In 1958, it, you know, the special effects weren't great. It looked really cheesy. Uh, you know, Steve McQueen kind of right before he broke out, so it wasn't um, – maybe his best performance. He was still kind of trying to, to find his footing in Hollywood at that point. Uh, it, it's definitely, I do recommend people watching the original, but then go immediately and watch the remake. Cause the remake is better. The, it's the colors too. It's very neon pink, uh, the blob. And it just, those colors have always kind of, um, enticed me to like, you know, enjoy something more, I guess, you know, it gives it, it has that total eighties vibe to it. Uh, the neon colors, the the synth soundtrack, and um, it's really just a cool ass movie, man. I, I saw this one as a kid, and you know, I, I probably watched it like a dozen times as a kid, and then I just watched it recently within the last year or two. Again, I have the Scream Scream Factory Blu-ray edition. It still holds up. It's a very good movie. Um, Again, like we talked about, like Insomnia, I don't think enough people talk about this movie. Um, in the horror community, for sure, we do. But, you know, outside of that, it doesn't get a lot of love. And I think most people would enjoy this film if they saw it. So that's my next recommendation. All right, Wayne, what's your last one? All right. Um, it was hard to choose. Lots and lots of choices. But 
Uh, I went with a remake of. All right, so but let me jump jump into that. Uh, James Bond. Several iterations, several actors have portrayed them. The the uh, secret agent, if you will. Um, and I didn't know that they remade movies that existed already. Uh, Casino Royale was one that jumped out because the original made in 1967, starring uh, David Nevin as Sir James Bond, Peter Sellers, Orson Welles, Ursula Andress, Woody Allen as Jimmy Bond. Yes. Um, I don't know anything about the original. So I'll, the- I'll give a little, you mind if I give a little uh, history on that one? Please do. All right. So they, you know, obviously James Bond was very popular. Um, and so they decided to take a novel of his and basically turn it into like a satire comedy. And so they took Casino Royale, which I forget the author of James Bond, but it was one of, one of the original books written and they turned it into a comedy film. And so no one else would like go near it. Uh, I think because they didn't want to be compared to it. Not that it's like considered to be great or anything. It's actually, I think considered to be awful, but they didn't want to have like any connection to it um, until, you know, Daniel Craig then takes over. Uh, and the first one they decide to do is they do Casino Royale. Therefore giving us essentially, well, it wouldn't be the only, re- I think it's the second remake within the Bond universe as mm. Connery did one in the eighties, which was a remake of one of his earlier Bond films. Um, so that's how we get to this being a remake because it, mm-hmm. it was adapted into some silly comedy film. And, uh, and here we are now, now we have it. I think a lot of people consider it to be Daniel Craig's best bond film. So, uh, it wait, is one of go, my go favorites ahead. for sure. Uh, the, uh, author, uh, Sir Ian Fleming, the author of the James yes, Bond there novels. All right. So yeah, in 2006, we have a new James Bond. That is Daniel Craig. Uh, this film stars uh, him alongside uh, Eva Green, uh, Dame Judi Dench, Jeffrey Wright, Mads Mikkelsen as a very excellent villain, Giancarlo yes. Gianni. Uh, is there anybody else notable that I recognize? No, but there are a I lot think of Jeffrey Wright's in it too, isn't he? Who? Jeffrey Wright, isn't he in this one? I mentioned him. Oh, did you? Okay, sorry. My bad. Okay. I think I did anyway. Maybe in my uh, cold adult stupor, I did miss him. But regardless, <laughs> um, yeah. So I really got into James Bond when Pierce Brosnan took over. Um, I, I mean, growing up in the '90s, who didn't love playing GoldenEye on N64? No Golden Gun, no Odd Job. You know, <laughs> Universal rules when you're playing multiplayer. Come on now. But yeah. Um, Got into the James Bond really in the pre during the uh, Pierce Brosnan years. So when um, Pier- uh, not Pierce Brosnan, he <laughs> Daniel Craig took over the mantle of James Bond. I was very intrigued, and uh, Casino Royale did not disappoint. Uh, after earning his double O status and license to kill, secret agent James Bond sets out on his first mission as double O seven. Bond must defeat a private banker funding terrorists in a high stakes game of poker at. Casino Royale in Montenegro. Poker, especially Texas Hold'em, was huge during this time. Uh, the World Series of Poker was basically all over ESPN during the summers. You know, hailed as the newest hot sport, if you will. Um, obviously, it's a bit of a stretch 
uh, when you come and think about uh, sports and whatnot. I don't know if you put games like poker and chess and stuff like that in that realm. Anyway, it's huge. Everybody's playing. You know, other movies have been made. Rounder is one of my favorite films. You know, focuses on that. Um, the late uh, Annie's game, somebody's game, Sophie's game. We talked about it like six Mo- months. Molly's ago. game. Molly's game. <laughs> An excellent drug too, by the way. Yes. <laughs> anyway, let's, let's steer this back on track here. Um, yeah, uh, lots of twists and turns. A lot of this movie does focus around the poker aspect of it. I would say a good was about twenty minute scene focuses on the game and yeah, you know, interesting how it develops and you know, there's a lot of explosions, a lot of kills, a lot of espionage, if you will, and of course. You've got Daniel Craig making everybody swoon with his British charm. So I really enjoyed it. Is it my favorite of his James Bond performances? I'm gonna I'm leaning toward yes because it was the first one, but I don't know if there's necessarily a bad one. I love Skyfall as well. Yeah, Skyfall's great. Um I have not seen the newest one yet. Shame on me, but I'll get there. Yeah, I haven't seen the last two actually, so I have to. I'm going to try to watch those soon because uh, the newest one was nominated for best song, of course, as they are always nominated for best song at the Oscars. Um, it just seems to be something that they get right every time. You know, when Daniel Craig took over, he wasn't like he's a handsome man. I'm not going to you know say he's not, but he wasn't like the classically handsome guy like uh, Pierce Brosnan or Sean Connery. And so I think people were a little suspect at first. What I, I, but I like that about this movie. I like that he's kind of, he almost seems a little bit more dangerous because you don't really know. You, you can't get who he is just by looking at him. You know what I mean? Like as, as his James Bond. Um, I feel like his performance and his character are a lot more layered than the other James Bond movies. He shut up a lot of critics during that uh, beach scene when he was absolutely jacked. He did. So. He did. He did definitely show off his body, uh, which is, I think, you know, what people will look for in these type of movies. But what I'm I like put about you on the spot right here, sir. Hang on one second. Stop right there. Who is going to be the next James Bond? Who do you think it should be, and who do you think it's actually going to be? Whoa. If you're like me, I think you might be in the Idris Elba boat. I would. Elba would be would be great. Um, he is the issue with Elba is he's getting a bit older now. Um, that would be my only concern with that. Obviously, if they decide to go with him, I think he would be fantastic. I would be fine with him. Uh, I like Tom Hardy. I like Tom Hiddleston. Hiddleston's more of a pretty boy, though, where I think if they go with someone like Tom Hardy, that's saying that they want to stick in the um, Daniel Craig area where he's more of a badass. Um, the other one I've heard recently is uh, Rajan, drawing a blank on his full name, is the star of Bridgerton. He's also a, another uh, black gentleman, uh, similar to Idris Elba. Um, so that would be, I think, an interesting. He's much younger, so that would, you know he could play it for many for many more years. Um, and he's British. I tell you, my friend, we can't have a black uh, James Bond just like we can't have a black Superman there with all of my closed-minded stupidness. Yes, <laughs> like I hear that argument, and I'm just like, oh Jesus, why, it, why? Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't. It's just not how it's supposed to be. No, it's just you're a racist and you're a fucking moron. I think that they should make it wide open. Hell, there was talks about making James Bond a woman, too, if I remember correctly. Yep. Well, I think in the new one, um, 
was it Jody Turner Smith? Someone plays a 007. Like they treat it as like it's a it's a not like just him. Like it's a a number. Um, so like anybody could be you know opening it up that anybody could portray 007. Right. Well, um, um, in Goldeneye, uh, the 00 status is just the is what your that secret agent rank is. So. Yes, exactly. Um, and whether it's James Bond or Jane Bond, it really doesn't matter because each Bond actor franchise is separate from the rest of the movies. So it really doesn't matter who portrays James Bond. So I just don't understand the closed mindedness to it, but I never I will. Yeah, I, so. I would be fine with Idris Elba. I would be fine with with uh, almost anybody, really. I mean, as long as they they fit the role right, I think. But we can't even say that because I get, like I said, Daniel Craig didn't fit everyone's version of what James Bond should be, and then everyone fell in love with him after Casino Royale. So it could be anybody. Uh, we'll, you know we'll what see. they say about preconceived notions. Exactly. Actually, um, I don't, but I just usually <laughs> assume that they're wrong. <laughs> it's bad, I think. Um, yeah, so I mean – what I love what they did with these Bond movies with Daniel Craig is they made them grittier. They made, they kind of fit it into the action of today where when like the Pierce Brosnan ones came out, like when you said the ones that we grew up on, that kind of fantastical action, like think of like bad boys and independence day, like that kind of stuff was, that's what that was popular back then. And getting into the two thousands, what we started getting was that kind of grittier born identity type of action. And I think Bond saw that and the people that made Bond saw that and were like, hey, let's do something like that, but with James Bond. And I think it worked really well. Um, I know not everyone loved all the movies, but like you said, Skyfall is essentially a masterpiece. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, you know, I, I don't know where this is going to go in the future, who's going to be Bond, but I'm willing to sit here and let them cast somebody before I even make up my mind whether I think they're going to be good or not. You know, uh, there's so many choices out there. There's so many – It's a, it could be a career-making role for somebody too. Uh, you could argue that the last couple were two guys who were already successful. So I'd be interested to see you know, what, like what they did with Sean Connery. He was kind of a nobody when he took on the, the first role. Uh, maybe cast somebody who's just kind of on the cusp of breaking out big and then they can you know use that role to kind of climb in their career. But we'll see. I, who knows? Um I'd obviously be okay with Tom Hardy. I'm a huge Tom Hardy fan. I think everybody knows that. So uh, only the future will be able to tell us. All right. So I'm going to go to my last one and the last one of this area of the podcast. Um, this is one I think a lot of people, when it came out, people were upset, which is funny because I feel like a lot of non-horror people were upset and it's a horror remake. So like, leave it, let us be the ones to to tell you whether it's, it, it's, Good or not, I guess. You know, I mean, obviously, people can make up their own opinions, but um, and that is Evil Dead, two thousand thirteen. The Evil Dead is one of my favorite franchises. Uh, Army of Darkness is a fantastic, hilarious, hilarious horror film. Uh, the first two Evil Dead movies are also really great. So I'll admit, when this was coming out, I wasn't sure Fetty Alvarez really hadn't made a name for himself yet. Um, but when I finally saw it, I was so overwhelmed with joy and how great this movie was and how disgusting it was and gross it was and gory and bloody and the cast was great. Uh, Evil Dead came out in 2013. It was directed by Fetty Alvarez, uh, produced by Rob Tabbert, uh, Sam Raimi, and Bruce Campbell. So the original you know, trinity of, of people that's the first ones to go um, came back to produce the, the remake. 
slash sequel maybe there's there's not a lot of question on where this one if it actually falls into the original um franchise or if it is indeed a remake but it is based off of the evil dead by sam raimi uh it stars jane levy uh shiloh fernandez lou taylor pucci jessica lucas and elizabeth blackmore um bruce campbell does make a bit of a uh like a cameo at the very end if you go to the end credits scene um jane levy plays mia she she's our new ash Shiloh Fernandez plays David. Lou Taylor Pucci plays Eric. Jessica Lucas plays Olivia. Elizabeth Blackmore plays uh, Natalie. They are the friends that go to the to the cabin in the woods. Uh, the premise in this one is that Mia, um, again, Jean Levy's character, has a drug addiction, and they want to cure her of that. So they kind of their friends and the brother all go out to this cabin to detox her. Essentially, um, they of course find the Necronomicon. And all hell literally breaks loose on them. Uh, there's so many great scenes. There's uh, the uh, Necronomicon. Is that the next uh, coronavirus variant? Yes, the Necronomicon. Yes, <laughs> the sequel to the Omicron. Um, it, you know, I think people are familiar with the name with that book now. If you, especially if you're an Evil Dead fan, that's the book that you re- if you read from, then demons are going to come up to the earth and start fucking with you and try to kill you and take over the world. So this one is a little different as, like I said, the characters are all different, um, but it actually throws you a curveball, and it's over, it's almost 10 years old. So if I'm spoiling it, I'm sorry, you should have seen it by now. Um, at some point, Mia played by uh, Jane Levy gets uh, contracted with the, the demon. It, the demon gets inside of her. And so at that point, you're like, oh, okay, so Shiloh Fernandez is going to be the hero or whatever. Ah, but that's not the case. The twist is that you could eventually get the demon out of someone, which they do, and Mia ends up becoming the uh, the heroine of the film, which I think was always the intention. Um, she, you know, they wanted to have, like, a female Ash character, and that's what kind of she became. Um, there's so many good scenes. There's just blood splatter everywhere, and that's what you kind of come to the evil dead films or the TV show, uh, Ash versus the evil dead for. And it's, uh, there's the, so everyone I think is familiar where, uh, Bruce Campbell has to slice off, lop off his wrist in the original cause his wrist gets infected. Well, Mia does the same, except it's a lot more gross <laughs> and she has to like smash something against it to get her wrist off. And, uh, or maybe the wrist just, I can't remember exactly if she does it or if it's just someone, if a demon takes it off, but it's, it's gruesome. It is gruesome. It's like I said, it's a messy movie in, in this, in the sense that it's very bloody and gross and lots of fluids everywhere, but it's great. It's a great fucking movie. Um, it sits right up there with me is right next to the original. And, uh, it, and there are certain things of it that I think I like better than the original, um, but the original will always forever be one of my favorites. It's a classic, but this one does a lot of it really good. Uh, it was kind of maligned by critics when it came out, but I think the fans embraced it and fan embrace means a lot in the horror community. So it, it's become, I think known as one of the better remakes that has come out of uh, horror films. And, uh, Everyone was disappointed that there wasn't a sequel because we loved all these new characters, but it's okay. They are making another one. They're making Evil Dead Rise. I don't know. It's very details are very slim on that, so we don't know if it's a sequel to this one, if it's a sequel to the originals, if it can finally combines both franchises. 
Um, but that'll be on HBO Max, I think, later this year and is an HBO Max original. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. But if you have not seen the 2013 Evil Dead movie, just called Evil Dead, the original is called The Evil Dead, um, you should really go check it out because it is truly a fantastic film. And if you love bloody horror films, it's one of the best, in my opinion, uh, to come out in that time frame. So, Wayne, what are your thoughts on Evil Dead, the remake? Um, being the coward that I am, sir, I have not seen it, sir. I apologize. Pussy. It's okay. I wasn't sure if you did or not. Not, um, not, not, not. Seeing the little girl push up the trap door. No, nope, no, nope, no. Nope. Exorcist. <laughs> nope, 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 Nightmares. Nope, no, sir. <laughs> All right. So before we get into our, our next segment, uh, here's are some other uh, remakes that I really like. Uh, 13 Ghosts, House on Haunted Hill, The Hills Have Eyes, Last House, The Last House on the Left, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Italian Job, Piranha 3D. I think one of the best remakes ever is The Departed, uh, but we had already talked about that one, so I didn't bring it up again. Uh, Ocean's Eleven, Scarface, The Fly, The Thing. Uh, the Thing is one of my all-time favorite horror films. Uh, Fright Night, um, The Mummy, The Crazies, The Birdcage, Dawn of the Dead, Night of the Living Dead, 310 to Yuma is a Western I really like. I didn't know that Heat was a remake of L.A. Takedown, which is a, t- of a TV movie by Michael Mann, so he remade his own movie. Uh, the Jungle Book, which I love. Uh, I've talked about that movie before. Great movie. A Star is Born. The more, they're all essentially, there's like four remakes. The The most recent one was nominated for a bunch of Oscars. Um, and the Amityville Horror with Ryan Reynolds, which I really, really like, actually. Well, I actually like that one better than the original. Um, all right. So our uh, it's time for our next segment, which is our reviews. Of the week. <laughs> wow. A lot darker for this one. Um, which is funny because we're starting with the lighter of the two films. I guess lighter in, in a in a certain <laughs> sense. Of the week, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. So while we're on the topic of remakes, uh, our t- our first movie this week uh, came out at the end of December in theaters, but we finally got to watch it on either HBO Max or Disney Plus, whichever one you choose to watch it on. It's on both, and that is West Side Story. So, so everyone knows for me, I don't really like musicals. Not a big fan. Never been a big fan. Um, but I've been watching since we've been doing this podcast. I feel like I've been watching a lot more than I normally would. I actually watched the original this week, which I'd only seen parts of. Um, so I spent a lot of time watching movies this week. If you've paid attention to my uh, Instagram account, I've spent a lot of, a lot of time logged. Because um, the original is two and a half hours and the remake is two and a half hours. So... The, uh, you know, when this movie was announced, West Side Story, I don't know if I mentioned it or not. <laughs> um, when West Side Story, the remake was announced, people were upset. And I Of get course it. they were. <laughs> I get it, too, because, you know, you know, don't mess with the classic. I understand that whole concept of it. Um, but again, like we've talked about, we've been doing remakes since we could do remakes. I mean, uh, Alfred Hitchcock famously remade his own movie, The Man Who Knew Too, Too Much, because he didn't like the way the first one came out. Um, so remakes have been a thing for a very long time. And, you know, when you get something like this, yes, it's a remake. But at the same time, it's also a new adaptation. Because people forget that West Side Story was an adaptation of a Broadway play. Which was actually an adaptation of Romeo and Juliet. So the idea of West Side Story isn't even wholly original in its own sense. Um, now I watched the, the original film. And it's 
get something I probably I don't know if I'll watch it again, but it's a classic. It's really good. It's very well done. I gave it a ten out of ten just because, or five. I can't remember if I gave it nine out of ten. Whatever. I gave it a high rating on the fact that I think it's a well made movie. It's well acted. Uh, the singing is great, even though I don't know if people know this, but a lot of the uh, cast in the original film did not sing their own songs, um, which is different from the remake. And uh, it looks great. It looks like a Hollywood musical, which I think Hollywood musicals back in the day looked like Broadway plays, but just very much on a, gr- a grander scale. I love um, the uh, movie set aspect of it, if you will. Like, you know, it was shot like in a studio lot. And all of yes. that stuff was like done like to like encapsulate 1950s New York. So the original, correct? Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Even the like the new one, the one we just watched. Yeah, made it look like, uh, you know, 1950s New York. Whatnot, he did. So. They made it look like 1950s New York, but what they did was is they kept it a little more realistic. I think in, right. the, in the remake, whereas in like I said in the, I think it goes for any musical back in the 50s, 60s, <sighs> and even into the 70s looked like a Broadway musical um, where this one sounds like it. The camera style makes it look like a Broadway musical, but the setting and the surroundings make it look like a real movie. Um, yes. Which I think is a credit to Spielberg and just his eye for these things. Uh, I have, to, I have to admit, I, I did get annoyed with all the damn singing. When y'all red jet, I'm like, you know what? The jets suck. And so does Joe Namath. Get a move on. Come on, baby driver. Let's go. <laughs> <Made me trap. laughs> now, um, I, I, I agree with the cinematography and it was beautiful and everything i'm just like don't care fast forward five minutes to get through the song all right carry on that's funny because you're a musical guy and this is like considered one of the great musicals and they didn't change any of the songs the songs are the same you know um, i am an uncultured swine i'm sorry i, I didn't like the music like the story was great acting was great yeah. You know, the, the singing in the police station was like, all right, come on, guys. Great. Wonderful. Carry on. <laughs> wow. Um, so, you know, uh, I mean, I, do, I don't know if we really know over the plot. It's, you know, essentially Romeo and Juliet. You have Tony and Maria who are star-crossed lovers. They meet at a dance and the Jets and the Sharks are enemies, the white guys versus the, the Puerto Ricans. Um, and there's this, you know, there's a whole sizzling underneath the the movie buildup that's going to lead into this big rumble um things that people used to have back in the day um with snapping fingers and snapping fingers back hair i always go to it's i don't know if you remember it was uh robert downey jr hosted snl back when this is i think when he was finally starting to like turn the corner and um they did a it was uh cobra's and like lions or something like that. And it was Norm MacDonald was one of the leaders of one of the gangs. And anytime <laughs> they broke out into singing, Norm MacDonald would stop the song and be like, what the hell are you guys doing? Why are you singing? Why is it all choreographed? So whenever I was watching the original West Side Story, that was basically what I was thinking almost the entire time. That's one of my favorite sketches that they did. And they I kind kept of going to um, Zoolander. Oh my God, they're breakdance fighting. Right, exactly, exactly. Um so you you know being that type of musical you kind of have to know that going in. Uh, it obviously helps if you're into musicals. I now I have no problem telling if a musical is a really well made musical. It's just not for me, and that's kind of how I feel about both these films. They're great movies. They look great. I think uh, Spielberg. It's probably one of the best movies that he's had. Now obviously he didn't shoot it, but 
uh, hiring one of the best cinematographers in the business, Janice uh, Kaminsky, um, definitely is a, a good part on Spielberg's uh, mind there. And it definitely helped the movie. Uh, the movie looks fantastic. It's just incredible. It's an incredible film to look at for sure. If you're into the songs and unlike Wayne and into the music and you love the dancing, like I don't think I don't get people that don't like this movie that love the original. Cause it's essentially the same fucking movie. <laughs> and I could tell you this cause I just watched both of them within a, within a couple days of each other. Uh, they're basically the same. They change a few things. They move a few of the songs around, um, but nothing structurally about the story changes. The story is the same. Star-crossed lovers, the, the, the two gangs don't like that they're, they're, they're in love with each other. There's going to be a fight to the death, which is what happens. Two of the main characters die, and then more, one character dies. The other character, main character kills the guy that killed that character, and then another character gets at the end similar to a Romeo and Juliet uh, ending. Um, it, you know, the, the dance numbers are, I think, fantastic. Uh, you know, it, if you, again, if you're into that kind of thing, um, everyone in this version sings, and it's very easy to tell that they sing, and they're all really great. Most of them are Broadway stars. I think what was great, I think, about this, Wayne, was because Steven Spielberg is the star – he didn't have to really cast any stars to be in the movie. He was able to cast new up and coming actors from Broadway and kind of make them stars because he's a big star on his own that he didn't need to cast, you know, Jake Gyllenhaal or somebody. Now this is a bad example because he can't play a teenager anymore, but someone of that, Tom Holland. Says who? Yeah. <laughs> he could do anything. Um, he didn't have to cast someone like Tom Holland who can sing and dance. Uh, he was able to cast, you know, um, I mean, I guess Ansel Elgort is somewhat of a known commodity. Um, even Anything is possible. They made a 70-year-old Mark Hamill look like a 30-year-old Mark Hamill. This is true. Um, he definitely, uh, the, you know, Ansel Elgort, I think uh, he's technically been canceled or kind of canceled because of some things that have come out uh, in the past. So um, they definitely did not use him a lot to promote this film. I don't think he was ever out and about when they were promoting it. I don't know if that had any issue. I know a lot of people are like, oh, he's the weak link. I thought he did a good enough job. Like, he sang well. He acted well. Um, I think people just don't like him anymore, and that's why. Who don't we like? Huh? Who don't we like? Uh, Baby Driver. What did uh, Hansel and Gretel do? There's some more. um, It's possible that he... He was in a relationship with a girl who was younger than him by like two years. She was 17. He was 19. She claimed that he used like his power over her. Ah, so it went nice. away pretty quickly, but obviously, you know, the internet doesn't forget. So, um, but they were too far gone into the movie that they, I think they felt that they couldn't re, you know, redo it or reshoot it. Um, so they just left him in it and they just kind of kept him out of all the marketing. Um, I think, you know, like I said, I, he's uh, good, but. I had a joke all about the fault in our stars lined up and everything, but I guess I'll have to do a divergent. <laughs> oh, <sighs> God damn it. Wayne. All right. <laughs> I think, I think too, though, it's okay. Cause like the stars of the film are, are really Rachel, Rachel Zegler, Ariana DeBose, David Alvarez and Mike uh, fast or feist. However you say that. Um, the play, people that play Maria, Anita, Bernardo and riff. They are really the, the, the ones that shine the brightest in this movie, I think. 
um, especially Ariana DeBose. Ariana DeBose is Anita is the front runner for best supporting actress uh, for this movie. And I, after seeing this movie, I see why, because she was incredible. Uh, I thought she gave a fantastic performance. Um, she was uh, just encapsulated that role so well. She reminded me, I just watched the original. She reminded me of Rita Moreno who played Anita in the original film. Uh, she sounded like her. She looked like her. Like it, there was just so much of her that radiated off the screen to me that I was like, wow, she really did great, give a great performance as did Mike fast. And uh, uh, David Alvarez as Bernardo and riff. I thought they were really good. Um, a lot of people felt that they should have been nominated for best supporting actor, both of them. Um, but you know, just didn't happen. Um, I think part of that too is because the movie wasn't, uh, um, didn't make a lot of money. So I don't know if a lot, how many people actually, you know, how many Academy people really liked it or not. I'm not sure. It was um, fantastic that Rita Moreno was in this yes. new adaptation. As so well, Rita Moreno, and I think they did a perfect, you know, it's it's a role that I don't know that anybody missed from the original because she plays uh, the one that runs Doc's, uh, um, what kind of store is that? Not a grocery store, but like a convenience store. And not like a drug store. And um, what they did was they made her married to Doc and Doc has since passed away. So Valentina is now running the store. So I thought that was a clever way to get her into the film. They do end up giving her a song that originally in the movie, I believe was for Maria. Um, so it was nice to, to get her to see her sing as well. Um, yeah. You know, I'm not really going to critique this movie because like I said, it, it, everything in it is solid. Like there's nothing bad about this movie. Um, the I, one thing, obviously I'll say positive too. I was joking my wife and like, it should say, uh, West Side Story now with more Latinos, because um, people know in the original 1961 version, there was essentially one Latino, at least one main character. Um, Anita, played by Rita Moreno, was the only main character played by an actual Latina. Um, as Maria was played by Natalie Wood, who was white, and uh, Bernardo was played by somebody who was Greek, so not Hispanic. Um, and if you look at a picture of him now, you're like, oh, okay, he didn't look like that at all. Um, a lot of brown face, too, in the original, which I get. It was 1960s, but it was still a bit disturbing. Um, especially, I think, when you look at the the um, goal of the movie is that, like, everybody should be able to get along. And we should all be uh, be able to live with each other. Like, it's about it's about diversity and about how our differences shouldn't make us hate each other. And that's the basis of the original as well. So when you have that as your basis, but you still have two main characters played by white people, it kind of throws it off a little bit. So it was nice to at least see a version of this film, which I'm super shocked that it took this long to get a remake of uh, with real Hispanic people in it. Um, so to me, that that was a big thing. I know a lot of people, uh, that apparently didn't bother them because a lot of people are, oh, you can't touch a classic. I'm like, well, there are some classics I think that could serve better from a remake or an update, if you will. Because it really I, is. I mean, go ahead, Wayne. Sorry. I'm so sick and tired of hearing, well, that was the time. That's how it was back then. Well, well, fuck that. Time has changed. Yes, exactly. I'm just I'm sick think- of that. Like racist, like VR, that fucking. Oh, well, you know, we'll just let it slide because that's how it was back then. No, fuck that. Call it out for what it was. Race is bullshit. Exactly. It, it really was. And um, 
Yeah, I mean, there's really no other way to look at it. It was racist, and it was, you know, and I get, you know, a lot of the, uh, again, everyone says, oh, it was a different time. But as the late Bob Saget, I, I quoted him on here before, said, you know, well, it's a time that never should have been. And just because there were people that were like that, you could find, you could go back to the 60s and 70s and find plenty of people in 50s and 40s that were probably like us now, like, why, wait, why can't those people be able to do this or do that? Um, because they existed. Those people existed. It may not have been the norm, but there were people back then that thought like we do now. And uh, it just wasn't the mass uh, group of people, uh, you know, that it is today. And it's still, and it's still a problem, obviously, as we both know. Today, you know, shit is still not great. It's just, it, you know, the times are still hard for a lot of people. And race has a lot to do with that, I think. Um, You've got people in Congress who are out and out racist, just out with it and don't care and are going on right wing freaking gatherings. And yeah, right. Exactly. Going to, yeah, going and, to MTG going to the freaking uh, white supremacist rally. So, yeah, it, it's a crazy world that we live in today. Um, we thought we were kind of behind all this stuff. And I don't mean to make it a comment, this episode, a commentary on society. Uh, but I think with talking about West Side Story, it's important because that's what West Side Story is about. Again, it's about being able to accept everyone's differences and coexist with each other. Um, which I'm I just going to go ahead and jump on this since we're already going this direction. If anybody would have bothered, you know, the last president the way Tweedledum and Tweedledumer did during the State of the Union address, oh my gosh, the tantrums that would have been thrown. For sure, but, for sure. You know, these two wastes of human space. They, they, and then, you know, the rest they, of the party's like, oh, well, you know. Meep, meep. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, they don't care. They don't care. They just anyway, want you know, Sorry, sorry, let's talk about movies now. <laughs> I, just, I am under the weather, and I just don't have the patience to let things go. So, I don't know how to be quiet. Sorry. All right, so for this particular movie, we'll, we'll leave the rating off, I guess, to the, to the fact, like I said, I... Let's do more. Wayne, would you recommend this movie to people if they're fans of these type of movies? I need to rewatch this when I'm not feeling like crap, and I probably <laughs> will have a better perspective of it. So, okay. yes, absolutely go see it. If you love the first one, there's no reason why you shouldn't love this one. I, that's that's my sentiment exactly. Re- totally recommend this film. Um, it is, if you are a fan of this type of film, this genre, if you will, watch it. It's just like the original, but it's, you know, it's, seeing an updated version of that um, and a little bit more realistic and better. Not that the first one had bad camera angles, but I think this one was able to do a lot more because of when it was made. Um, and Spielberg is a master. And I think it's about time people stopped thinking that he sucks. He's made a lot of movies. So yes, not all his movies are great, but he is a masterful director. And I'm always interested to see what he's going to do next. Even if I don't like it, I'm always interested to see where he goes. Um, and I like this if this because his next movie is also going to be a remake. I like if this is where we're going, where it's going to be like he's just going to pick movies from his childhood that he's like, you know what? I want to see a version of that again. So I'm going to do it because that to have that kind of power, I think, is pretty cool um, as a movie director. And I'm, I'm interested to see where he does what he does with Bullet, which is his next uh, film. So. Um, all right. Moving on to definitely the uh, very weird film of the week, but honestly, my kind of vibe. Not gonna lie, um, this is really something you can seek your th- seek your teeth into, folks. Ooh, <laughs> uh, 
Uh, you'll understand when we get to the movie. All right. So this just came out on Hulu. It was at Sundance Film Festival. People talked about it a lot. Uh, it is called Fresh. It stars um, uh, people. People in it. Hold on. I just passed it. I didn't have it. Uh, Daisy Edgar Jones, Sebastian Stan, uh, Jonica T. Gibbs, Charlotte Laban, uh, Dale Akeni, Andrea Bang, and Brett Dyer. Or Deer. I'm not sure how you say that. So this movie is interesting, I think, uh, because it start. it's one of those films that we've talked about many times, I think, on the show. It starts off as one thing. And then about a half hour to 40 minutes in, it changes into another thing. Now, I was prepared for this because I knew what this movie was about. Wayne, did you know what this movie was going into it? I did not. And, you know, a half hour in, when you finally get the title credits, it's like, (laughs) okay, hard left. (laughs) Um, Yeah, you finally get the title credits and the main character is all of a sudden passed out on the floor. It's a little bit different of a film. Uh, I you know, I saw someone, it, it posits it as a, a rom-com horror film. And I think that's a good way to describe it. Because the first half hour is very much the meet-cute of a brand new rom-com couple. And then the last hour and a half or so is uh, complete mayhem and uh, craziness and, and grossness. And just, it's one of those movies that, you know, I was watching, the whole time I'm watching it, I'm like, I'm vibing this movie. Like, this is a movie that that speaks to me in a way that like I, I'm enjoy, I am enjoying myself that, that, that uh, shit eating grin that Sebastian Stan had on his face, this entire movie, uh, even up until the end, that was me watching this movie, Wayne. I was just, I was just like gleeful, like, Oh my God. Like, I can't believe I'm watching something like this. Um, it's really a cut above the rest and uh, <laughs> don't want to come out on the short end of the stick. It's about cannibals people. That's why we, Wayne keeps making these, these, uh, references um at first i thought the storyline was going to be a bit stringy but once you get into the chew of it all yes (laughs) we really should start working for uh for like regular uh websites because that's all those people do um i guarantee you i could find a bunch of fresh reviews that are very uh very pun heavy um it yeah so it's like i said starts out as kind of like a rom-com type thing and then it turns into a horror film essentially uh, Sebastian Stan, I think, is really good in this movie. He gives kind of a um, Christian Bale from American Psycho-esque performance to it. And you just kind of gleefully enjoy it as you're watching it all the way through. Here's uh, my he- fear. I hope this doesn't start a cannibal trend because the way they portray some of their shit, it's like I could see some disturbed individuals going, hey. I could <laughs> use a little, you know, a little, a little, uh, a little, a little bicep in my life. Yeah, I wonder I, what that I, texture tastes like. If I put the garnish around Wayne enough, it'll it'll taste different. It'll taste no, like it won't. No, it won't. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's you know that's the thing too is like they take the meat and they make it into like fanta- fantastical looking dishes. You know, like uh, celebrity type dishes. Think uh, Chef Ramsay, um, right? Is that his name? Gordon Ramsay, yes. Gordon Ramsay, yeah. I was right. All right. I believe weird. he would be a little bit hard to take. Yes. <laughs> uh, tough um, pill to swallow. Oh my god! Are you got any more? <laughs> Keep going. So it, it essentially turns into a survival story. The last a survivor horror story. The last uh, hour or so, 
um, where the victim is trying to escape her, her um, kidnapper uh, who basically kidnaps women and then carves them up and then serves them to his high end clients. And it's pretty disturbing, uh, but it's fun. It, it's a fun, it's weird saying that, but it, it, I had a really good time with this movie. Just um, his methods about going about it too and who he targets. It's very sophisticated in that. Yep. And, and it, it does all the classic horror films, slashers, if you will, even like where, oh, I forgot something. I've got to go, wait, the hell are you going back for? Right. Like, ah, what are you yeah. doing? Just keep going. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of that. Uh, it, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's, dare I say, a bloody good time. It really, um, was one of those films I wasn't sure. I knew it was right at my alley, but I wasn't sure how good it was going to be. And I really enjoyed it. Um, I had a really good time with it. It's definitely like, you know, something I don't think maybe a lot of people would be into, but it, it's a really fun movie. Um, when you get down to the meat and potatoes of it all, sir, I really love this film. <laughs> it was quite easy to digest. Digest. I'm done now. I'm sorry. I'm done. <laughs> I would give this movie an eight out of ten. That's how that's how much I enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, Wayne, what was your rating? Oh yeah, I'm right there too. Eight, eight and a half. Even it was yeah. good. It was fun to see Sebastian Stan play this role. And I also wanted to bring up too, like we talked about. Um, let me see what the actor's name is, because uh, he kind of looked like him. Um, Sebastian Stan has one of those faces where, like, from a distance. He's not, I would shouldn't say from a distance, but like the full version of Sebastian Stan, he he's an attractive man. But then if you zoom in on his face, he kind of looks like Peter Laurie, who we talked about, uh, who's kind of that, that guy from the movies back in the fifties and sixties, who had one of those kind of like, uh, evil looking faces. So like when you do, whenever they would do like a close up on Sebastian Stan, I got kind of creeped out. I was like, Oh God. Cause he has those buggy eyes that make him, um, just play this type of role perfectly. Like this role suited him very well. And I think it it was nice to see him going from playing something like winter soldier to playing something like this. Cause a lot of times you'll see him play like the romantic lead or whatever, or be in another action film. We saw him in the three, five, five last week. Um, So it was fun to see him in something like this where you could tell he was having a really good time. Uh, So definitely uh, it's on Hulu. Check it out. Go ahead, Wayne. Sorry. Obviously jumping on the uh, Sebastian Stan, who should he play next? Um, if you have not seen it yet, they have mocked him up to look at look like young Luke Skywalker, and uh, it's uncanny, folks. Like, I am pushing yeah, for that. Like Mark <laughs> Hamill has already given him his blessing, so let's make this happen. He does look like Mark Hamill, so uh, <laughs> I will I will give him that, and I would be okay with that as well. All right. So- he also played a fantastic villain in Hot Tub Time Machine. That's right. He did play a villain, a great villain in Hot Tub Time Machine. All right. So uh, this week, I, I, you know, if you've been paying attention to my uh, Instagram account, I got into a lot of stuff this week. Um, it was very Academy Award heavy as I watched Belfast, which I thought was great. Uh, Encanto, uh, which was really good. Uh, Cruella, which I thought was pretty good. Drive My Car, which is the nominated for Best Picture and Best International Film. And best director uh, is now on HBO and HBO. I don't know if it's on HBO, but it's on HBO Max. Um, it's three hours long, but it's really good. Um, I watched Flea, which is one of the best documentaries of the year that's been nominated. That one's really good. It's on Hulu. Uh, Black Bear is on Hulu as well with Aubrey Plaza. Uh, let's see. Pig with Nicolas Cage. That one's on Hulu. That one I really recommend. That one was very 
much missed by the Academy this year, I think. Um, that one I watched a couple weeks ago, but I hadn't posted about it. Uh, rewatched The Legend of Billie Jean, one of my favorites. Uh, fantastic uh, 80s flick. Uh, Wayne, anything that you watched this week that you wanted to talk about? I revisited 80s horror cars. I watched Christine and I watched The Wraith, uh, two of my favorites. Uh, we've ta- nice. I've talked about both before, but the highlight of my week was watching Licorice Pizza last night. Uh, fantastic movie <laughs> written and directed by uh, Paul Thomas Anderson. Uh, it's the story of Alana Kane and Gary Valentine growing up, running around, and going through the treacherous navigation of first love in the San Fernando Valley, 1973. Coming-of-age story, just outstanding. Uh, they tackle things like the gas crisis and Vietnam and stuff like that, and just really, really well-acted. Um, Alana Haim and uh, Cooper Hoffman are fantastic as the leads. Sprinkled with a bunch of amazing cameos. Sean Penn as Jack Holden is a very memorable scene. Uh, Sasha Spielberg is in this. Um, Bradley, Cooper. People, Bradley Cooper has an, a very memorable role as just a complete asshole. Uh, unhinged. Um, <laughs> John C. Riley, if you li- you don't see him, but if you listen and you know his voice, it's like, hey, wait a minute. Completely takes over just the one scene that he's in. Um, highly, highly, highly recommend checking this out. Um, yeah, it's the last one of the best picture noms that I haven't seen. So I will be checking yeah. it out at some point. I just haven't gotten around to it yet. It is uh, currently only in theaters. But again, I used scrupulous methods to view yes. this. Well, so. You could you could actually purchase it on digital now. Ah. So it did, it did come out to buy on digital. Um, so I'm looking forward to watching that. I also did watch some of the nominated short films coming up. There are three that I wanted to mention that I think were definitely ones people should look out for. The Long Goodbye with Riz Ahmed uh, is on uh, YouTube. It's like 11 minutes long. It's really good. I really don't want to say anything about it, but it's a really good movie. Uh, one of my favorites was Audible, which is on Netflix. It's about 40 minutes. It is about a, a deaf football team. So hence Audible, as in they can't hear and also Audible for football. Um, really emotional piece, uh, really, really good. Um, but the one that I really liked the most I wanted to talk about was one of the animated ones. And I did watch uh, Affairs of the Art, which was pretty good. Very artistic, obviously. Uh, Robin Robin, which is on Netflix, which is from Ardman. So the people that did like Chicken Run and Wallace and Gromit, that was decent. Uh, but the Windshield Wiper, which is one that you could find on YouTube. Um, really, really well done. Very much a, a, a movie about like love and in life and in just a very short, like, you know, 15, 16 minute film. Uh, so there are some good short films out there. If, if you go and look, I would start by, you know, just Googling best, you know, nominated uh, Oscar short films. If you're interested in watching some short films, but audible is on Netflix. That was the one, one of the ones I talked about that I really recommend that one. Um, easy to find. So, all right. Um, moving into the news and notes, and then we will wrap up the show. All right, so news and notes this week. Thaisa Farmiga hints that The Nun 2 might still happen. Twisted Metal TV series lands at Peacock, starring Anthony Mackie. Patrick Stewart confirms that he is in Doctor Strange 2, which sets up the the possible um, multiverse of mutants and all that kind of stuff. Uh, rumor, Brad Pitt's Plan B production company working on Beetlejuice 2. This was just announced uh, a couple days ago. 
Stuart Martin and Rupert Friend joined uh, Zack Snyder's Rebel Moon. Michael Douglas to star as Benjamin Franklin in Apple Plus TV series. Jennifer Coolidge returning uh, to season two of White Lotus. She's the first guest um, returning to the White Lotus, which is a TV show about a hotel. Uh, and like most of the guests from season one are not coming back, but she is one of them that is. Uh, Netflix, Marvel's uh, TV shows are going to head to Disney Plus on March 16th. Uh, Lindsay Lohan signs on for two more Netflix films following her upcoming 2022 Christmas film for them. Evan Rachel Wood is playing Madonna in the Weird Al biopic of pictures were just released. Uh, new The Batman spinoff series will be about Arkham Asylum. Ben Aldridge and Jonathan Groff join the new M. Night uh, Shyamalan film Knock at the Cabin. Rapper Jack Harlow to star in White Men Can't Jump remake. Skylar Aston joins Grey Ana- Grey's Anatomy in recurring role. Bill Burr to write, direct, and star in Old Dads for Miramax. Alessandra Nivola cast as main villain in Craven the Hunter. I Am Legend sequel with Will Smith and Michael B. Jordan in development. I ask why, because I'm not a big fan of that movie. Nor do I see how they can make a sequel out of it, but we'll see. Uh, new Alien film directed by Fetty Alvarez heading to Hulu. The Big Leap canceled after one season. Ordinary Joe canceled after one season. Third Hercule uh, Poirot film in the works with Kenneth Branagh. That's the Death of the Nile and uh, Murder on the Orient Express. They're going to make another one of those. Releases coming up soon. All the Old Knives with Chris Pine and Tandy Newton hits Amazon Prime on April 8th. The Outlaws, created by Stephen Merchant and Kurt Suter, hits Amazon Prime April 1st. Merchant and Christopher Walken star in the ensemble cast. And Judd Apatow's new film, The Bubble, hits Netflix April 1st as an all-star cast in that one. Uh, deaths this week, Ned Eisenberg, character actor from Law & Order SVU and Mayor of Easttown, dead at 65. Ralph Ahn, New Girl, dead at 95. Veronica Carlson, uh, Hammer Horror Star, dead at 77. Kirk Bailey, Salute Your Shorts, dead at 59. Farrah Fork from Wings and Lois and Clark, dead at 54. Johnny Brown uh, from Good Times, dead at 84. And then Mitchell Ryan, from the villain from Lethal Weapon, and the dad from Dharma and Greg, dead at 88. Uh, he just died yesterday. Uh, so rest in peace to all those. Uh, it's been a great show, everybody. We appreciate you guys listening. Um, hopefully you keep tuning in to hear us ramble on about movies. And next week we will be reviewing two brand new films again. Um. The first one is The Adam Project. I haven't settled on a second one yet, so it may not be a brand new one. Maybe it'll be an old one. I don't know. We'll see. All right, everybody. Uh, that's our show for the week, so thank you uh, for listening to Now Showing with Mike and Wayne. All right. The actor? Hasta la vista, baby. Hey, everybody. We're all going to get late. Oh, yeah!